about the birds and the bees, the flowers and the trees, the moon up above, and a thing called love. all singing? Yeah. All right. Steve, my man, you know that, right? Yeah. Dean Martin. Who doesn't love Dean Martin? Come on. Well, like Pastor Denny said, today begins a new series, The Birds and the Bees, What Your Parents Never Told You. Are you ready? I see Mike back there smiling. You ready, buddy? All right. Got your notebook ready? Well, I have to admit, this message is not the birds and the bees you were thinking of, but since you already came thinking about that, and I knew you would because that's where my mind goes, I did put together, and boy, did I have to edit this thing to get it PG-13, let me tell you, at least that much. You know, no little kids in the room. Okay, so we're good. Um, there is some awesome videos that we've watched in our marriage life group and this one that I'm going to show you just a part one you have to come back next week to see the part two this little nugget laugh your way to a better marriage he explains the key to getting what you want in your marriage part one Now, to explain this, I need to do an anatomy lesson. Okay, y'all okay? Hey, on Margaret, he's going to draw pictures. <laughs> It'll be okay. We'll, we'll keep it clean. Okay? Now, we'll call this the girl's heart. And in the interest of keeping everything at least PG-13, we will refer to this as the place of happiness. <laughs> I, I had a lady come up to me recently and she goes, Man, I can't even go to Walmart anymore. Smiley faces all over the place. She's like, Ah! Ah! Oh, God. <laughs> now, at some fundamental level, this is every man's basic interest in a woman. It's true. It's true. Now, women say, well, that's terrible. That's there shouldn't be about that. It should be about companionship and fellowship and sharing. Girls, if your husband was interested in companionship, fellowship, and sharing, he'd have gotten a golden retriever. He's interested in this, and he's supposed to be. That's the way God wired men. But what men fail to understand is the key to this is this. And if a man successfully touches this, she gives him the green light, and now he can touch this. And this is what motivates me. I, I, I try to be nice to my wife. And, and I'll, I spend time with her. And I take her to lunch every day. And I'll take her shopping. And say, well, Pastor Mark, do you like going shopping? No, I hate it. You say, well, if you don't like it, then why do you do it? I'll tell you why. Because I want some of this. <laughs> I did. I, my best I could. I edited that. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 10. It's through this two-part, it was three-part, but we won't get into that, but this two-part series, The Birds and the Bees, we're going to discover our worth and our purpose is all wrapped up in a love story, and that's God's love story with you. Our purpose was written when God first created us. 
Even before that, as Psalms 139 states, he says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days written, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God's plan to help you fulfill your purpose is found in the Bible. The basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible. It's all there. It's written out for us. What do we need to do? How do we need to think? You know, all that is written out for us. Teaches us how to correct the motives of our heart, our, our thought pattern, our attitudes, or as in Matthew 5 calls it, our bee attitudes. And those are the bees we'll look at next week. But in order to be who God purposed you to be, you first must believe you are who God created you to be. See, if, if you don't believe you're worthy, you won't live worthy. You'll always feel less than. You'll always believe you are less than. See, you first must believe you are worthy before you can start living worthy. According to God, you are made in God's image. You are not an accident. You are not without purpose. You are not disqualified for past mistakes. You are the apple of God's eye. You are his precious jewel. You are God's masterpiece. You are the display of of his splendor. And that's just a few of the things he says about you. Just a few. So today we're going to focus on the birds of God's love story. So what do birds have to do with our worth and our value? Before we jump into the scripture, I just want to share some trivial phrases I came across. And I have to share them with you. Now you tell me if you've heard these before. That's strictly for the Birds, that's right. The meaning is it's trivial. It's only of interest to gullible people. What about birds of a feather? Flock together, meaning you become who you hang around with. How about the early bird? Gets the worm. Didn't your mom used to yell at you yell that at you when you was waking up? Get up, get up. No, I sing to you, don't I, buddy? We were he says, yes. The early bird gets the worm. The meaning is get up early, work hard, and you will be successful. I like that. Now, the newest phrase, and almost nobody acted like they heard it in first service. The newest phrase I heard was, I want to sing like, oh, you've heard it before. See, you're more aware, more cute to these new phrases, right? Or you just filled in the blank. You had no idea. Okay. The meaning is, I want to sing without worrying what other people think. I want to sing without worrying about what other people think. I want to sing like the birds. The oldest one, which is my favorite, is my fine feathered friends. Now, this one took a little bit more research because a lot of people didn't know the true meaning of this. So there was a lot of questions about what does this mean, this phrase mean. On the internet and everybody knows that Google is saved. So everything he says is, well, my Google is a guy, sorry. My Siri is a guy too. Oh, sorry. I did. I said it. He's like, hello, Brenda. No, sorry. Um, my fine feathered friend, meaning those who parade around like your friends until you need something. Ooh, my fine feathered friends. They parade around like you, they're your friends until you need something. So again, what do the birds have to do with my worth and value? Well, let's look at the scripture. In Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25, it starts out with, therefore. Now, the last few weeks, we've learned something about reading the Bible. When you first come across the word, therefore, what should you do? Circle it. I like it. That's right. Circle right in your Bible, Misty, right in that Bible. Circle it. But it's telling you, therefore, which means something was just stated 
that laid the foundation for what I'm about ready to tell you. Therefore. Blah, 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 therefore. So if we look back at the blah, 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 because he's laid a foundation here, this is exactly the series we, series we just went through. Where Jesus was saying, you've heard it said, now I say. He was saying there is a principle, there's a law that says you shouldn't do this, but I'm saying it's more about the motive of the heart. So it's not just to do or not do an action, it's about the motive of the heart. So he goes through these things to try to get you to understand it's motive of the heart. Motive of the heart. The heart is the one that's going to be judged. You can do all the right things, but if your heart's not in the right place, your heart is what's going to be judged. Then he goes on to say, now to build that character, to build that heart character, there's some things you can start working on in secret. Remember, he goes on in chapter 6. And says, giving, praying, fasting. You do these things in secret so only your father sees in heaven. You'll build that character. You'll build that heart that you're supposed to have. And then he goes on to say, if you do them things, then you'll be building up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Right? Then we pick it up in verse 25 and he says, therefore. Now you've done all this. You're doing this, therefore. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you? By worrying can add a single hour to his life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But. Here's another word. But and if says there's a condition. But. Same with, if you do this, I'm going to do this. But. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That's a conditional sentence. But seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these things might be yours. No, will. God says, if you do this, I will do that. All his promises are yes and amen. He does not lie. He says, if you do this, I will do this. I love conditional statements because it, it tells me what I need to do. Have you ever worked a job and they didn't tell you what you needed to do, what they expected you to do? Yeah, I... I have been in ministry places like that, and it's very uneasy. I like to know what you expect of me. And let me tell you, most places, majority, 99.9% .9 of the time, somebody will not hire a person without telling them, this is what I expect of you. That's when you get your paycheck. You don't meet this, you don't get this. Right? God lays it out that simple for us. If you do this, I will do that. Therefore, that's telling us something. What did he just say? If we seek first the kingdom of God, right? Seek first. Therefore, you won't need to worry about anything. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love that. He's telling us everything. He's got everything under control. You don't need to worry. You do your part. He'll do his part. And then over in Matthew 10, verse 29, 
He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet none of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are for some of us in here. Not very many. They're all numbered. Some it doesn't take more than two hands to count. Uh, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. God knows every hair on your head or the hairs on your plate like in the dinner last night. Could have came from my hair head though. Anyway, I don't know. He knows everything you need. He holds the whole world. You know that song, don't you? Yeah, has the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the in his hands. Good job. Good job. He's got the little bitty baby. Oh, no, I'm not going there. Sorry. I don't know why those things stick with me. I don't know, but he's got the whole world, his, the whole world. Think about that. I mean, I was going to geek out on you today and give you some science facts that get you to just, you know, you're just mind blown when you think about the universe and the galaxies upon galaxies inside these, you know, constellations upon, you know, all this. And, you know, if the sun just moved, what, what did they say? Like, you know, eighth of a mile difference that we'd all freeze to death if the sun moved just, I mean, like, if it tilted just this, everything is just balanced in God's hands. And yet we walk around like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we? He's got everything taken care of. He says, I feed the birds of the air. Don't you trust me to feed you? You know, I have a 17-year-old boy. I know he loves it when I use him. If he laid around, wang, 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 I'm hungry, feed me, feed me, I'd be like, you're going to starve. I'm not putting the food in your mouth, right? Now the birds could just sit, yeah, here's the baby whining. Now you put the food in the baby's mouth, won't you? Yeah, of course you will. But when they're 17, you're like, get it yourself. And God says, I filled the refrigerator full for you, but you actually have to get up and get it yourself, right? He feeds the birds, but does he go and let the birds lay around and he puts the food in their mouth? He says, no, it's here. Go get it. So when he's saying, why are you worrying? It will come. Now, it might not come on your time. And it might not come the way you want it to come. You know, you've been praying for the chocolate candy bar to fill your, you know, hungry stomach. And somebody brings you a bag of carrots. You're like, sorry, I'm still waiting for the candy bar. That says, but I gave you the carrot. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Actually, the real question is, do you trust him? Do you believe him? Do you believe you are worth more than these? Do you believe what God sees in you? If you're more valuable than even the birds of the air, do you believe God will take care of you? Your worth and value is not dependent on the world's economy. Your worth and value was birthed in heaven even before you were created. And I got thinking about these when I first started putting this message together, these two uh, separate stories. And I actually kept pulling these stories out of the message and putting them over into message ideas thinking it has nothing to do with this. And then I'd go, oh. Them off, put them back in there, you know, with Evernote. I love doing that, copying and pasting everywhere. And finally, I mean, because God was, you not understand it, and he would play that those stories to me again, and I'd be like, no, this, and I'd pick it, and, put, and finally, 
just this last week. Well, actually, last week I was going to preach it. So anyway, I really started getting my eyes opened up to this. The it's like two sides of the coin, these two stories. The first one being when Jesus talked to the woman at the well. Remember the story? It was a Samaritan woman, and Jesus was going on with his disciples, and then he says, hey, I'm just going to hang out here. You guys go on ahead. And he begins talking to a Samaritan woman. Now, again, when you read the Bible, you got to think about the context, the culture of the time, to really understand what the meaning of the scripture is. You have to do some research. Um, and at that time, the culture says, number one, women were of no value at all. None. Men didn't speak to them. Most of the time you couldn't even, well, a woman couldn't look at a man. If she saw a man coming her way, she had to put her head down and turn her eyes away. She couldn't look into his face. Uh, they couldn't teach women. Women couldn't be taught. As a matter of fact, most priests or whatever they, high priests or whatever they were called at that time, said that they would rather burn the scriptures than teach it to a woman. So at that time, and then upon her being a woman, she was a Samaritan woman. Samaritans were like dogs. They were like nobody, nothing. And Jesus being a Jew just knocked her off her high horse. No, she wasn't on a high horse, but knocked her back when he started talking to her. She's like, what are you doing talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm, I'm a Samaritan. Number two, I'm a woman. What are you doing talking to me? You're a man. You know, it was all these walls that she built up around her heart through the culture and her upbringing was just being destroyed by Jesus when he began talking to her. You know, and I could go into details about, you know, how he showed her worth and her value by her five husbands. Remember, he said, go, hey, go get your husband. Well, number one, that plays into her mentality that, oh, that's right, you don't talk to me. I need to go get my husband. Well, mm, hello, uh, I don't have a husband. He says, yeah, that's right. You've been rejected five times already. Women weren't allowed to divorce men. Only men could divorce women. You've been rejected five times, and the one you're with don't even value you enough to call you his wife. And then he began to talk to her some more. He broke down all those barriers. And he touched her at the point of her deepest need. And that is your worth and your value. Because what happens when we, when we mess up in our life, we immediately revert back to, I'm a worm, I'm no good, I'm horrible, I've always been this way, don't look at me. I don't want anybody to know what I've done, right? Isn't that what we start doing? And Jesus yet comes right up to where you're at and wants to touch that spot in your life and reignite heaven's original value and work back in you. And because he did that, she took off to the town, told everybody, men and women, which women were not valuable. Women were not reliable witnesses. They weren't even allowed to go into court to testify because their witness just is a big lie. They're just liars. But the whole town heard her, listened to her, believed her because her value and her worth had been touched and restored to heaven's original. Then the whole town came out turned out, and then begged Jesus, stay. Why? Because every man and every woman says, touch me. I need to be restored. Because life happens. And we revert back into that, I'm no good, I can't do anything, everything I touch messes up. But the minute they saw this woman, and what happened to her, when Jesus touched her and restored that worth and the value, they said, stay, please. And they begged him, please stay. And he did. Now, the flip side of that coin is the other story. When Jesus went with his disciples across, we'll call it the lake, stepped foot on the beach, 
a demon-possessed man came running up to him. Actually, he was possessed by many demons, it said, a legion of demons. Now, when he ran up to him, Brenda translation is, the demon screamed out, we know you're about ready to deliver this man. Why? Because when heaven comes to earth, hell has to flee. Has to flee. So they knew immediately, we know who you are, and we know you're about ready to deliver this man. But something that I used to read over all the time, and not, I mean, I used to think demons are just stupid, is they cried out, send us into the herd of pigs. Then the pigs ran to the edge of the cliff and committed suicide. And I'm thinking, those were some dumb demons. Well, that didn't last long, did it? How fun was that? But what God showed me, here's the flip side of the story, is that the demons knew if they touched, see, in that culture, in that time setting where they were at, pigs were their main money maker. We can destroy, blame it on Jesus, their money, their big money maker. Guess what happens? The town came out, seen what happened. Where's our pigs? They all committed suicide. Why did they do that? It's his fault. Now they're not begging Jesus to say, the scripture actually says they begged him, get out of here. Leave us. There's a big difference when Jesus touches the worth and the value of an individual, of a person. Or when you think Jesus only wants to touch your money. All he wants is our money and look what he just throws it away. We don't want you to get out of here. Remember the message I preached in that little treasure box I still keep in my office? That you, God has to, and he does, consistently Knock on our treasure. Why? Because when we open that up, the scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. He don't want your treasure. He don't need your treasure. Do you think that heaven is bankrupt and he's waiting for your pennies? No, he's knocking on your treasure because he wants your heart. You need him to have your heart. You can't go on living your Christian life or even your life thinking that you have to somehow conjure up your own worth and value in the world. It won't happen. It's nothing. He has to be able to touch your heart so he taps on your treasure. But in the flip side of the story, if, he, if you think he's only wanting your money, you'll keep your treasure, your heart, locked up. But if you let him open that up, if you trust him, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. If you honor God first, first, this isn't even a tithing message, but where does it always go, right? First, give him the first. Here it is. You give this to me, I give back to you the first. Then your treasure opens so he can touch your heart. And once he touches your heart, you will explode. Into the original, no better than the original worth and value that you were created with. Because restore means better than the original. He will restore your worth and value better than the original. The story of Martha and Mary. This is one, I, I told a little secret first service. Um, I'm the Daughter, sister, I only have one other sister. She is the oldest. I am the youngest. She will lie and tell you differently, but she is the oldest. But in, our, in growing up and even now, if I was to insert me and my sister into this story, she would be the one, because she was always the coddler and the hugger, and she still is. You know how many, you've all had her hugs and her, okay, thank you. I'm like, handshake, that's enough. But we will insert me and Carrie into this story. She would be the one at the feet of Jesus, 
I would be the one in the kitchen yelling, Carrie, get in here. Help me make this dinner. What are you doing? I would. Really. Yeah, I know, Masa. I know. But this story, this, it's not just a story. This, this uh, actually happened. Of Ma Martha and Mary is more than just the lazy Mary and the busy Martha. Remember, culture, custom, at that time, women were not valued. Now, thinking about that, looking at the story, the men, the disciples, and Jesus were sitting around what? Teaching, discussing, talking. Where were women supposed to be? Not, that's right, in the kitchen, barefoot and pregnant. No, stop it. No, not in the room. That's right, culture says not in the room. But Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And I do believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that that was the Mary that was thrown at Jesus' feet, caught in the act of adultery. So why was she pushing past culture and pushing past what, you know, the naysayers would tell her is allowed, is a permissible, and hang out at the feet of Jesus? Again. Because he touched her worth and her value when she was cast at his feet, ready to be killed because she was caught in the act of adultery. Everybody else was saying, Ron and sinner. And I always say, where was that man? It takes two to tango. We know that now with the birds and the bees, don't we? Oh. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. She was cast at his feet. Cruc crucify her. Listen. Kill her. That's, that's the punishment. Caught in the act. And Jesus stooped down with her. And looked her in the face, which was not allowed at that time. And restored the original value and worth back into her. That's why she pushed past everything else and everybody else when he was back in that house and he was teaching that she said, this is where I belong, is at the feet of Jesus. And you know, Martha, she opened the door, Jesus, tell Mary to get in here and help me. And what did he say? He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried about so many things. Brenda translation. You are so worried about what the culture says is right and wrong. That you're forgetting there's one thing here that's better than everything else. And Mary knows what that is. See, once you allow God to touch your heart and restore that original value and worth, heaven's value and worth in you, you will constantly find yourself at the feet of Jesus because you won't care what anybody else thinks. You won't care what the world says. You won't care what your past screams at you. I know who you are. I know what you did. It won't matter anymore because I'm restored to better than the original. Because in spite of my past, in spite of those things that keep screaming at me and trying to tell me what I should and shouldn't do because of what I've done before, I can push past all that and know that he chose me even though I did do or I was that. You see, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That restored worth, that restored value in us, when we can start walking in that, we'll find ourselves at the feet of Jesus more often, no matter what other people think of us. Let me warn you that you will keep sabotaging your purpose in life until you get a hold of this. Because you will constantly be walking around and God will start tapping on you, hey, Go talk to so-and-so. Well, oh, I can't talk to so-and-so. Oh, I, I, I don't know what to say. Oh. Hey, hey, could you go take some lunch to so-and-so? Oh, I couldn't do that. No, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. What is that? 
Oh, could you give a testimony today? Oh, no, I'm, I can't talk in front of people. No, I'm not going to do that. The insecurity is what will keep us chained up. The insecurity means that you have not yet begun to walk in heaven's worth, heaven's value of you. That insecurity is security in the wrong thing. See, that security is in what I can accomplish and what I can do and I'm good enough. I, I deserve this. Insecurity says you haven't done enough, you're not good enough. See, again, if you're good enough, if you've done all the right things, then when somebody gives you a pat on the back, you're getting the glory. When we start walking in heaven's value and heaven's worth for us, God gets all the glory. Because he picked up the trash that they wanted to stone because of the act that you committed. And God picks you up and cleans you off. Restores you better than before. Now he gets all the glory for that. When you go and give your testimony. When you stumble over the right words to say. When you're trying to share your testimony with somebody. And you're like, I don't know. My best messages was when I used to say I don't know a whole lot on the street. When people would say, hey, there's something different about you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Really? And I would stumble over my words. I didn't know what to say. And I'm like, they're like, really, what happened? I don't know. Really? Well, what do you, I don't know. But something's different. I don't know. God's getting all the glory. Because I didn't do it. I, I didn't create. I can't explain it. It's God. But you will sabotage God's purpose for your life. If you don't start walking in that heavenly value, that heavenly worth that he's given you. Think of all the unworthy people that God used. Rahab, the prostitute. The illegitimate son of David and Bathsheba was Solomon. Peter rejected Jesus at his most needed time. Saul, the murderer, became Paul the writer of over two-thirds of the New Testament. The world would have rejected him. Oh, you're nothing. Look what you did. How dare you? You're, oh, you're horrible. Murderer. Remember, they used to run from Saul. Oh, he's just trying to get in so he can kill us all. Right? But God said, you know what? No, no. What, what the world calls trash, I call my treasure. You are this display of my splendor. And that's what it says in Isaiah 61. As I get ready to close. Let me just share the end of that scripture. Says he will bestow on them. A crown of beauty. For ashes. See he literally does scoop up the trash. Clean it off. And puts a crown on your head. He says I'll give you the oil of joy. Instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. He really does scoop up that trash. Whatever you did in your past or maybe haven't done. Maybe yours is just the omission of doing all the right things. You haven't really done any bad things. You're trying to do it on your own dime, on your own worth, on your own merit. He says, just open your treasure up to me. I just want to touch your heart. And when he touches our heart, he scoops up that trash, cleans it off, and puts it on a pedestal, puts a crown on your head, and says, this is my treasured possession. This that the world rejected is now my trophy. That's what he wants to do. Restoring our worth and our value. It's not based on what you do, but who you belong to. Who you belong to. I want to share a story of how caged birds learn to sing. 
In the full light of day and in hearing of the music of other voices, the caged bird will not sing the song that his master seeks to teach him. He learns a snatch of this, a thrill of that, but never a separate and entire melody. But the master covers the cage and places it where the bird will listen to the one song he is to sing. In the dark, he tries and tries again to sing that song until it is learned, and he breaks forth in perfect melody. Then the bird is brought forth, and ever after he can sing that song in the light. Thus, God deals with his children. He has a song to teach us, and when we have learned it amid the shadows of affliction, we can sing it ever afterward. Matthew 10:27 says, "What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What I whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops." When you give your life over to God, when you become a Christian and start walking, living to serve God, you are not guaranteed a trouble-free life. As a matter of fact, for some of you today, some of your worst days are still ahead. But it's not the day that will define you. It's the song that you sing that will create in you uh, above everything else, where you can walk with heaven's value, heaven's word. Remember. Psalm 23 supposed to be the comforting psalm that we always recite at funerals or whenever we need protection. We always that promise you that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God says, I will be with you. Not that you'll never have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You'll never have any problems. No, he said, when you do, I'll be with you. He is constantly, the scripture says, singing over you. He's singing over you. So as he's singing over you, when you're going through, whether it's good times, bad times, if you turn, tune your ear to heaven, if you open up your heart and say, touch me and restore me again to heaven's original value and worth for my life, that I can become who you created me to be, you'll begin to hear that song that heaven sings over you. And no matter what you face, you'll be able to sing that song. In your darkest times, you can sing that song. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I'll fear no evil. Because you're with me. But you can't do that if you're trying to live your own life Deciding your worth, your value. You have to be restored to God's original standard. And he said restored means better than the original. Better than. Because of, in spite of, not not, be, not away from that, but because of what you've been through. That you surrender your life to God. That he scoops you up out of the miry pit. Cleans you up. Puts that crown on your head calls you the display of his splendor. Amy's song that I asked her to sing here at the altar time um, called Stronger is based off of Isaiah 54:11, where God is healing, restoring broken things better than before. Better than before. Again, it's because of what we've done or haven't done or whatever, but that we're scooped up from the mire and restored better than before. And she mentions a lapis lazuli, a stone made by being crushed. But it's stunning because it looks like gold in all those broken pieces. Think of that. You are the precious jewel of God. And even though you might be sitting here broken and crushed and Boy, you can hear the past screaming, I know who you are and I know what you've done. 
How dare you think that you can do anything good? God says it's because of that that I can restore you better than before. But you have to allow Him to touch that heart. Ignite, restore, and just release heaven on you again. So as she sings this song, could you all just stand? As she sings this song, and I ask, please don't leave during this time. I'll come back after this song, and I'll pray for you and release you. But during this song, I'm going to ask the altar team to come up. And if you need prayer for just that value to be restored, that worthiness to be restored in your life, you cannot live worthy until you believe you are worthy. God wants to restore that in you today. So as Amy sings this song, please make your way up to the front. Please come up to the front. Please spend some time during this song getting prayed for, letting God restore that in you. Go ahead, Amy.
with precious stone I will rebuild you on a solid foundation Trust in me Trust you, trust trust you. You said that you will feed the birds. You know exactly every hair on our head. You know exactly what we need. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We don't need to worry. We trust you, Lord. We can trust you, Lord. Restore worth. Restore value. Heaven's original. Better than the original. Restore. Restore. Before I release you, I just want to ask if there's any here with every head bowed, eyes closed. If you say, Brenda, I, I need to renew my relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you haven't had one and this might be your day. I'm looking around the rooms trying to see, trying to see, is there anybody that today, this is the day, I need to renew my commitment with Jesus Christ. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I want to pray with you. Today's your day. I want to restore my commitment, renew my relationship. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Yes. Well, if you need prayer for anything, healing, emotional, physical, financial, whatever you need, the altar team's going to stay up here longer. Amy's going to keep playing for us. And don't leave too fast. Get prayed for. That's what we're here for. Pray for each other. The Bible says pray for each other. All right? Father, we just thank you for this time together. God, help us to begin walking in the worth that you instilled in us from the original before we were even created. To walk in the worth and the value that you see in us. That you instilled in us, God. Help us to begin walking in that. That you can get all the glory. That will be the display of your splendor. Not because of anything we can do. But simply of who we belong to. That's you, God. Leader and the Lord of our life. Thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're with us wherever we go. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.